is UW Alumni Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Van Campen, and today we're speaking with Executive Natural Resource Management Officer at North Stirling's Up Natural Resources and the Glami Centre, Freya Spencer. Freya, how are you doing? Good, Josh. How are you? Very well, very well. So before we get into this, you know, as we know, the COVID-19 pandemic is... Uh, having a huge impact on all industries across the world. How has it been making an impact on you? Uh, Well, we've actually been one of the lucky ones. Normally, um, yeah, sort of the industry that we work in and relying on funding, um, normally it's a bit of a turbulent sort of, uh, yeah, industry. But luckily, I guess the environment is still ticking along as usual. Um, So we've been able to just, yeah, just continue um, on all our current work, we're getting ready for a big uh, seeding and revegetation season. Um, and there's not a big team, so <laughs> we're in isolation normally down here. It's a pretty u- usual thing in the country and in the office. So, um, yeah, we've been really, really lucky. Uh, I'm not too sure about what the future holds, as I'm sure everyone mm. feels the same. But, um, yeah, I feel pretty, yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. <laughs> and our organisation is one of the lucky ones at the moment. So. And- and you've always been passionate about the environment. Have you been amazed by, you know, some of the images across the globe where you've seen, like, you know, nature coming back to some locations around the world where they never would have been before because, you know, the beaches are completely clear and there's no humans around? Yeah, I think um, hopefully once the the really, I guess, devastating impacts pass and people can you know, grieve their lost ones and, and, um, you know, sort of the economic impacts play out. I think there is a lot of positive things we can learn about this um, and during this time. I think just also also just relying on your local community and appreciating your environment and appreciating what we have in Australia as well as um, having having a job and contributing to to the um, the economy, but in a more sustainable way. I think there is going to be a lot, especially for my generation and younger generations, I think there's going to be a lot of afterthought um, going on when things sort of start to kick back into gear. Um, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting. I'm not going to attempt to know what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, even for me, like, um, you know, just relying on the local stores and local produce even more than we do those sorts of things um, has been really, really Really, really awesome experience. So, now you're passionate about making our natural and urban environments better for current and future generations. Uh, you chose to study at UWA, double majoring in environmental science and natural resource management. Did you always want to make a difference in the world growing up? Uh, I was a pretty determined little girl, but I, <laughs> I don't think I ever thought about making a difference um, exactly. I think. I've just always, I've always been personally interested, fascinated and passionate about the environment. Um, and I just think I wanted, I wanted to grow my connection with the environment and other, and other people. And as a, as a human race, I think we have this amazing connection with the environment, but it's been, and we are part of the environment, which we often forget, but just somewhere along the way we've lost, we've lost that. And there seems to be, a massive disconnect. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just, just a passion for myself. That's just, I think when you find something that you're truly, you know, interested in and passionate about things just naturally develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what's happened for me. I never thought that I want, I want to make a difference. 
Um, but just through my passion and realizing the issues, it's just kind of happened very naturally. Now you talked about a bit of the disconnect there. When does the disconnect occur? Well, that's a bit, that's a big question. <laughs> I think it'd be, it'd be different for each, each individual, but I, like I said, I think we view ourselves separate to, to our environment. And I think we need to remind ourselves that we are part of the environment um, and we're not above the natural systems. We are part of the natural systems. And I think if we can just switch our thinking uh, a bit more that way, um, you know, everyone can sort of start to understand the sort of issues and the concepts of what's happening in the breakdown um, of our environmental systems at the moment. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where it happens. Um, There's, you know, the way that we live our lives now is, is, is different for everyone where you're growing up in the city or you're growing up in the country um, or yeah. And what your, what your parents instill in you as a child. Um, But yeah, I think, I think just, just the way that we, yeah, we're sort of distancing ourselves from the natural cycles and viewing our viewing us as humans above and not part of it is probably where I would say that that's for me at least has sort of been noticeable. Do you also think we take the environment for granted? It's one of those things we've grown up with. It's, it's around us. We're like, oh, yeah, it will, it will always be here. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of, I guess, the, we also, what we, what we don't um, realise and what we always seem to forget as well is we don't truly, we don't know everything about our, mm. our world and our planet. Um, and I think we really don't know what's going to happen we've got we've got the models we've got the predictions but I think we're starting to see the impacts but we don't we've got to remember that we don't know what's going to happen and I think we all need to stop focusing on what the end result is going to be um and that that's that you know there's going to be the temperature increase to this percent or there's going to be you know changes in um, rainfall here and that if we can just focus on the fact that things are changing and we've changed the landscape then I think we can start to address and understand what we need to do in order to fix it I don't think yeah I don't I don't think that (laughs) the environment won't be there in the future just whether it's a place that we we can all inhabit is probably (laughs) the um yeah the thing to think about now you graduated from UWA at the age of 19 the world was your oyster. You decided to take an internship now in the States. Now you wanted to go to Denali National Park in Alaska, but you basically found the opposite and was interning for the National Park Service in Tucson, Arizona. What was interning while traveling so important to you, not only for you, but for your career? Yeah, I guess um, studying, you know, going straight from, high school into university I yeah I was very um, clear in what I wanted to study and what I wanted to do which was a really um, really great thing to have done so quickly uh, but then after finishing my degree I I really wanted to travel um, just to just to do something different and have a break and experience new cultures and new places uh, but I so desperately wanted to start working in the in the field that I had chosen to study and I had been passionate about for so long so it was a really it was a really hard decision to make and then um I was talking to my dad about Denali National Park and he spoke so highly of it um he spent a lot of time there in his youth so I thought I would see 
if they had any international internships available. Uh, so I applied through a very extensive process. America loves um, loves their extensive visa process. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, there was no positions in Denali, and I actually got yeah offered um, an internship in Tucson and Arizona, um, all throughout the national parks um, in the state. And yeah, it couldn't be more opposite. But it was one of those things where it was just an unexpected and fantastic experience. And I'm so glad. Um, I'm so glad that I decided to choose to do um, to start my career in that way um, while also traveling and seeing some of the most beautiful landscapes I think I'll ever see. So yeah, I can't, I can't speak more highly of, um, yeah, of that internship and the, that decision to sort of um, do both at the same time. What was a typical day for you like in the internship? Oh my gosh. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And I think I ever will. Um, it was <laughs> when I arrived, there, everyone went, oh, you're Australian. You're used to the heat, aren't you? Um, this heat was like 50 plus degrees that um, the airport got shut down because the air got too thin. Road signs were melting. It's, it was the most insane desert heat I had ever experienced. And we were hiking um, in the uplands. So in the, the higher um, altitude work, which also I'm not very good with um, altitude here. I don't think they realise in America that we're relatively flat in WA <laughs> and at sea level most of the time. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was basically hiking with 25 plus kilos on your back uh, through the mountain ranges in the desert um, and finding plots to record vegetation. Um, yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty pretty intense work um, and very remote. We, you know, we had mules and, <laughs> um, oh. you know, put up, yeah, and um, carried all of our food. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a really um, eye-opening experience. And I, looking back now, I don't know how I did it. I don't, yeah, <laughs> all the muscles I developed have now disappeared. What were your biggest takeaways from it that you go, we look back into your, I guess your career now, you're like, oh, I'm so glad I experienced that because it's helped me do X, Y, Z. Probably the major thing um, is I think in uni, I had a very narrow mind as to what, uh, I, yeah, environmental science and NRM is a very broad degree, which was a fantastic thing um, that UWA offered, but it did... Um, it, you know, in in such a new industry, it's very hard to know all the all the possibilities um, that you can pursue once you graduate. And I think I had a very narrow mind um, about the options and doing an internship with the government, um, even though it wasn't the Australian government, but in America, it made me realise um, working in sort of the public sector uh, that you can truly work for the environment um, and you're, that's, your, that's your only goal. It's not a profit-based um, mm. industry. So I think that was a really key thing for me coming back uh, to Perth um, was realising that that's probably where I want to be because then I can have the self-focus on improving, um, restoring and maintaining the environment. Um, so, yeah, that, that was probably the key take, take, or take home for me. Um, yeah. Were you? Were you? Was there a dream job that you envisioned during your time at UW? I always, I always thought. Um, oh, that's a. I think I was thinking mine rehabilitation, but I actually did some environment and business units, and I realised that that um, 
that industry has a lot of issues um, in itself and with, with the current legislation um, for mine rehabilitation and the money and the percentage that's put aside <laughs> um, to do that. So I think, I think just being in WA, that was what I, that's what I thought I would do. Um, I also, also did want to be David Attenborough's apprentice. So that was something <laughs> else that was on my mind. But no, I think that UWA offered such a broad degree. You know, I did environmental economics and then hydrology and then clim the climate system. So it was, it was such a broad degree. It was, it was kind of hard to know exactly what, um, what I wanted to do with that after, um, which was why the internship and those sort of take-home messages was so... Um, yeah, so key in the development of my career at an early stage. It would be really interesting to see what would have happened if I hadn't have taken that opportunity. Now, in your current role at two local land care organisations, you work with the community environment every day, see change firsthand to take responsibility and ownership of how we as humans impacted the environment. So how can we begin to fix it, Fra? <laughs> Another big question, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, um, I guess the issues that we're all facing um, pretty much is completely overwhelming, even even for myself. Um, from the fires that we saw at the start of the year to the drought that a lot of places that we are in the southwest WA still experiencing, and now COVID nineteen and the sort of health issues that are plaguing uh, the planet. I, I think it's just um, at this this point in time, um, it's quite what's happening um, over over the globe is pretty, yeah, pretty overwhelming. So I think for me, that kind of put me in a place um, a few years ago where I sort of was like, well, what's the point? You know, the change that needs to occur is not going to occur quick enough. Um, and I don't even know where to start as an individual, let alone as a community or a country. <laughs> um, but I think then I just made this complete switch and, the, and this, the, both of these roles that I'm currently in really helped with that is I'm not underestimating the impact of small changes and that if everyone chooses to make small changes, it equals big change. And um, that's sort of what I, I would say um, to anyone who's sort of wanting to start to begin to make a difference, whether it's the environment or another aspect in your life is, yeah, don't underestimate the small changes. Um, and anything that you do better is, is, is a good thing, you know. So it can be a small, a really, really small change, whether it's not buying as many clothes or, you know, um, yeah, walking instead of using your car, like those simple changes or shopping more local, growing your own food um, to, yeah, choosing to, um, you know, re-align re, um, your career into something else but yeah it's just it's just those small things every day um and yeah, you can't ask, underestimate the impact because it's huge it really so, is yeah so with your role in, in regards to i guess land care is how quickly do you see the change of or you know with you being able to you know enhance or you know somewhat fix the environment that you're working on because the, with what you're working on it does take time you're not going to i guess necessarily see those um small wins very quickly you have to have a lot of patience, though, well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of work that goes, um, even something simple as people call planting trees or revegetation, it's, it's not just sticking a seedling in the ground. Um, 
And that's sort of one of our key focuses in both organisations is um, revegetating unproductive land throughout our agricultural areas. Um, and that's a, it's a very expensive, very, very slow process and we're not getting the rain. So it is, um, you know, we are seeing sort of our revegetation dying and those sorts of things. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it is, it is a slow process, but you've just got to keep chipping away. And when you go back to sites um, and, you know, when you talk to a local farmer and it's dry in the middle of summer, there's not a green patch and they can go walk through somewhere that they've decided to fence off a creek line, you know, that they've decided to exclude their stock from grazing or a place that they've planted. Um, it makes a huge difference uh, to your mental health as well. So yeah, you just gotta, you've just got to tick along. The landscapes that we deal with, it, it's huge between the two organizations. Yeah. It's over a million hectares. So it's wow. a lot um, of land to, to manage. So you just got to keep chipping away. And sometimes you have wins and sometimes you don't, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just life. <laughs> well, what, one thing you work on is repairing one of the largest river systems on West Australia's South coast, uh, the Palinup river and its tributaries run through Stirling ranges and Fitzgerald river national park. It is far from just a river, though, isn't it, Fra? Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty impressive system, and um, it doesn't look like that necessarily when you're on the ground. Um, there's a lot of small, yeah, small tributaries coming and feeding into the main, um, the main river, uh, through lots of lots of private land, um, and yeah, when you actually see see the system, it's really impressive, and it's they're ancient systems um through this area and they're yeah some of the largest river systems on the south coast so they're very 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 important um lifelines to both the community and the environment and the cultural heritage um of of this place so yeah i yeah i think a river system all you have to do is look at the map and you can see it looks like a vein and that's exactly what it does so how effective is working with the whole community approach as well with what you're working on? It's, it's such a fantastic, the way that land care and community groups operate, it's such a fantastic model. All the work that we do is um, like from the community. So the work is targeted to our area and what our community needs. And then we use community members to execute it. So you really feel like you're achieving the, the exact benefits that your community is wanting um and it's yeah it's it's from a from a um you know monetary um perspective as well just working with the community and what everyone gives and the time and the resources uh you know people really care um and if you can harness that um you can do really really amazing things so yeah we see from our committee both committees and both organizations who are all volunteers to the farmers that do the revegetation and use all their equipment and time to all the volunteers that we have um, to help us run our projects. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just a really, it's a really, really great model um, for us to achieve our work. And um, that's why we always achieve stuff to a, you know, to a high standard and exactly what the community needs because it's so specific to every area, the issues um, and the land is so diverse. So you really, it's not land care and environmental restoration is not something you can just roll out from an office in Canberra. Um, yeah, it's got to be targeted to the unique area, what the community and what, what the environment needs. So yeah, it's a pretty effective way um, to do, to get things done. Now you talked before about, you know, people care so much about it. Is it hard to make people care? 
Um, that's a that's an interesting question. There's obviously um, a diverse set of views uh, where we are um, down here, and um, yeah, it's been really interesting for me working with with such a diverse group of people. There's people who have been doing restoration since the land was cleared. Um, and always, always farming with a sustainable focus with the environment and not against it. Um, and then you've got more traditional farmers that were just brought up differently and have different objectives. And it's, um, you know, I think instead of trying to make people care, it's more so just finding, finding that, common, um, that common goal and uh, common vision. So we have um, some of the most environmentally progressive farmers in our area don't believe in climate change. So what, like, what I sort of have been doing is set aside, like setting aside those bigger controversial discussions and just trying to find that common ground and realise that someone, regardless of their political views or of, yeah, of their views on um, climate change and other big topics like that, if they, they've seen the land change, they've seen the species disappear, they're seeing the salt creep up, all those sorts of things. And so if we can just relate on that very simple level of watching the land change then you can kind of, yeah, find those common goals and just get things done rather than focusing on those, um, yeah, larger, more controversial topics that might throw a, throw a spanner in the works and stop sort of people moving forward together. Do you enjoy having those type of conversations? I personally do enjoy them. <laughs> it's, always, it's always interesting, um, you, you know, to, to really um, unite the community um, and get the... Get, the things happening that we need, what we need to see, you need to be able to um, talk about things and understand and yeah, find those, find those common, those common points. Because for us, salinity is one of them. No one, everyone can see what's happening um, to our landscape. It's, it's literally been burnt by the salt um, and all the trees are dying. You can't farm it anymore. Um, So something like that, you know, if we can just focus on that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about, yeah, whether the temperature is going to increase by one, two, five degrees. Um, we can just focus on salinity and we can get those things, those things happening. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I really, I really do like it. It's really informative for me as well, just finding what motivates people, what motivates individuals in relation to um, improving in the environment. And, yeah, and especially farming sustainably, there's so, there's so many different aspects and, it's just, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating um, discussion to have with people. And I think our work is going to be better for it if we can have those conversations and find the drivers um, for, for what people are doing. Now, you've recently received a small grant to add more water monitoring points along the Wapparup Creek and the ABC landline may pick up the project. So how do you source these grants and why has the media been so interested in your journey? Um, I think the grant grants come in all, all shapes and sizes. And when you, when you start working in the industry that I am, um, you realize sort of the, the diverse, um, set of funding options that, that you can pursue. Um, it's always, it's always really interesting, um, that, that sort of whole process, um, applying for grants and talking to the community and writing, writing projects up that grant specifically, um, came from uh, our project was chosen by the ABC Haywire program to um, be featured and um, present to parliament um, in February this year, which we were lucky to do before the restrictions uh, set in. Um, But 
Yeah, I think if you, with the grants, if you always are writing projects that um, are coming from your community and for, for what the community and the environment needs, it's, it's a pretty simple process because you know you're, you know, you know you're on the right track um, there. Um, but yeah, with, with those sorts of things as well, if you, yeah, if you have a really good solid, um, solid project or goal, uh, I think when you said, why has the media been so interested? And I think it's just, um, it's just sort of having that, that core project that you know, that you know is, is exactly what your community needs. People just, people just are interested. So we, yeah, we've got all, all sorts. So the state NRM community stewardships grants gave us the seed funding, then a local nail polish company in Albany nailed is donating trees to the river restoration, a carbon neutral charitable fund has donated another 10 hectares of, um, of revegetation threshold environmental a restoration company is helping us do that. Then FRRR Sally Foundation grants. Um, and I got the news last week that Landline has decided to feature. Um, and I think also that um, a lot of people don't know what's happening. I always thought of myself as a very environmentally conscious and aware person. And I had no idea um, what land care and community groups are doing on ground in our rural communities. You know, Gillamai and North Sterling Palinup are not the only groups. Every area has a land care or a grower group that is doing the same stuff for their community. And the network is amazing and full of the most inspirational and hardworking people all working for the, you know, for the same goal. Um, yeah. So it's just, I just don't think people realize, you know, and I wasn't, I was not aware that this would be an opportunity and this would be, an industry um yeah that you can you can do so and you know you can really can have the true impact because you're like I said there's no one telling you what you can and can't apply for um you know you're working with your community and you're going for what you know that it needs so it's um I just don't think people are aware so it's um it's been great to have the support of of the media um through ABC so far it's, um, I'm hoping it'll sort of shed the light on the positive things that are happening in regional Australia with, with the agricultural industry um, as well. Cause I think that that that's often forgotten. So. So are you already planning on the next project? Ooh. Yes. Yes. We've got, <laughs> we've um, got a lot of different things happening. The, the Palinup restoration is not the only thing uh, we're doing. So I'm applying for further monitoring um, through our local shires funding um, we've also got uh, a grant pending for groundwater monitoring um, across the region because uh, that's, yeah, so that's, that'll be monitoring with farmers. Um, we're developing an application to um, turn a local Mallyfowl education centre into a sanctuary where we can translocate other um, endangered species. Uh, we're working on a large carbon offset. A funding application about 500 hectares of revegetation and um, as well as yeah revegetation guides for our sub-region sub in relation to um, the Mali fowl and Chudich <laughs> and I could go on and on we've got a we've got a lot we've got a lot <laughs> happening so um, yeah it's definitely um, definitely endless opportunities down here. <laughs> is, is applying for these grants really exhausting but you know it's, it's a necessity for your role isn't it? Yeah this is sort of um, as much as I I love the 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 land care industry. Um, this yeah, applying for you know, no one funds you to do that. We don't have funding to do it, so it's um, definitely a drain on our organisations um, applying for for grants, and they take months um, to write. So 
it's um yeah it's an exhaust it's an exhaustive process um it definitely is but um you just get the you know every every job has its good and good and bad aspects and um you pick a cold day and you you know you sit in front of your computer and you write write it and then you can go and get out in the environment the next day so it's not it's not too bad but um yeah it's definitely it's yeah, and it's a skill, grant writing. It's kind of like applying for jobs. That's what I relate it to. It's yeah. the same draining, draining, draining process. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, but we, yeah, we are always, um, we always spread our applications to lots of different funding sources and different, we always want to, you know, work um, with the environment but um, facilitate sustainable agriculture. So we do a range of different projects and involve the community um, at every, every stage. Now, have you spoken with anyone in your industry that has been, you know, thoroughly impacted by the current COVID nineteen pandemic? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of groups that have projects um, with um, at this at this point in time, community engagement, whether it's big events or training, yeah. um, and those sorts of the yeah, it's that's been hit really really hard. Um, what I think is going to be interesting for our jobs is we receive a lot of our core funding from government, um, different government streams, which is fantastic because um, they allow a lot of autonomy with um, with what you apply for and how you execute it. Um, it'll be interesting though to see if that's going to change um, with the with the economic um, sort of uh, I guess impacts of COVID. But there is some really interesting uh, things happening the Lara regional body, South Coast NRM and a few other larger groups have submitted um, sort of applications and proposals to the government when they do do their um, reboot of the economy and they invest in certain sectors to invest in environment, the environmental sector because um, there's a lot of jobs and there's a lot of work that needs to be done uh, yeah, all throughout Australia. So we're hoping that maybe instead of pulling money out of the environmental funds, there'll be more money injected um, instead of just building new roads and infrastructure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sort of injecting roles and jobs into the environmental industry. So we'll see, we'll see how that plays <laughs> out, but I think the tree impacts will be over the coming years for, for our groups. And what do you think, what would you say to, you know, students that are currently studying and especially studying what, what you did in environmental science and natural resource management, because, we don't know what the future holds. So, you know, they might be getting a little bit stressed and thinking, oh no, like, is there going to be a job for me when, when I graduate? Like, what, what do you say to people that are currently in that situation? Yeah, it, it's, it's a, when we think about jobs um, and the industry and the environment, it's, um, it's a very, it's a very new and, and developing, developing area. So I think jobs are always, not, I don't want to say uncertain, but um, it's just not. It's just not straightforward um, because because like I said, we we don't know everything about the environment. We don't know how to teach about the environment yet. You know, so I think the degree would be a very different from even when I studied a few years ago, because uh, there's a lot more aspects that might um, might be important to to touch on. So I would say to anyone studying or choosing to studying is don't focus on don't focus on the job. If you're truly passionate about what, about what you're studying and what you want to do um, yeah. with your life and then things will naturally unfold. I think we can't, yeah, you can't, fo- I, I know, I know it's hard to, to not think about, Oh, but what position will I get after this? But I, tr- I truly believe if you're passionate and driven and you found your niche, 
area that you're going to, because, you know, we commit a large portion of our life to, to our jobs and our careers more than anything else. Um, so I think it's very important to make sure you've, um, you've got what you're doing, what you're passionate about, and then your jobs will naturally unfold. Um, that's what's happened for me. And that's what continues, continues to happen um, because I know that I'm on, on the right path. Um, and yeah, the jobs, I think, I think it's a growing industry who knows how it's going to grow, but I don't think, I don't think the environment is going to drop off anyone's radar. And I don't think the environment will let, <laughs> let us forget about it with this, with the weather patterns and the, um, the freak weather events and things that are happening. I don't, I don't think we'll be allowed to forget. So I hope, I hope that the industry will grow. Um, and I hope roles, um, in the public sectors and in the not-for-profit sectors will grow because I think that's where a lot of the impact um, can happen and a lot of the work can get done. Um, yeah, so that, that's what I would say. Um, and that, that doesn't just go for environmental degrees. I think that, that can apply to, to every, everyone studying. And how important is it to have patience during this time as well? Oh, patience is key. Um, just, yeah, just stay, like, like I said before, you know, what's happening now, not just with COVID, um, but in life, it, it can be overwhelming. So just keep, just keep on keeping on and chip away. And yeah, if you're, if you're on the right track, I think things will, things will turn out. Now, Freya, that's all the time we have, but if people want to learn more about your journey or be in contact with you, where's the best place to go? Um, it'd be great if you could uh, contact me through our organization so you can see some of the other amazing stuff we're doing. So just search up North Sterling Palinup Natural Resources or the Gillamai Centre um, and all my contact details are on the websites. Um, and yeah, if anyone's interested to chat any further, I'm always always up for a chat or an email. So um, yeah, feel, feel free to. There may be less coffee catch-ups, hugs or high-fives, but we're still a part of the global UWA community and have a role to play. The UWA alumni community is committed to helping all of our students, staff and graduates through the COVID-19 crisis. You can help by making a donation, sending a message of support, becoming a mentor, an ambassador, give pro bono advice or just check in with a fellow graduate. Let's all do our part and help the global UWA community.